The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Daily. I am your host for today, Matt Kanata. And it seems like the Miami Dolphins, every day, there's something new going on with the team that's totally newsworthy, but you wouldn't find in a quote-unquote regular season. You know, when you look back on the years of the Dolphins competing for a playoff spot, or at least thinking they're competing for a playoff spot, you all know how that, how well that's worked out over the past decade or so. Uh translation it hasn't worked out very well at all but they have put out a team to be competitive and in that season it wasn't a lot of drama per se until towards the end you know when things were falling apart or when they were actually in the hunt which seems like quite often only to falter and not make the playoffs but in this season in the season of quote unquote the tank right the season of the tank 2019 it just seems like there's just so much around the Miami Dolphins this year. And it, it's great for business. It, it gives us something to talk about every day. It's great for, you know, website. It's great for traffic. It's great for Dolphins Twitter. It's great for conversation. It, it's great for everything. And it's even going to be great for the future of the Dolphins as well. But two moves that happened on a Thursday leading into Friday in this show is considerable news i think especially with the dolphins naming josh rosen the starting quarterback of the miami dolphins moving forward and why is that significant we all know why that's significant right i don't need to sit here and tell you that josh rosen starting for the miami dolphins is big news but it's now their chance to see what josh rosen can do behind center I know we've seen a lot of talk out there from fans and media alike saying, well, the Dolphins already know that Josh Rosen is not the guy. I don't think you can say that without seeing him in a game. I think you could have hints of it, right? I think you can have uh, 
some preconceived notions based on what you've seen him seen of him so far between the Arizona Cardinals between preseason and between the mop-up duty he's been giving in the game, which is totally not fair to judge him on, by the way. But I think to say definitively that he is not the guy, I think that's a disservice to the integrity of the game, to the integrity of the Dolphins trying to see if he really is the guy, and to Josh Rosen himself. So he'll get the start against the Dallas Cowboys. He will have the chance to show he is the man. I mean, the, the odds are stacked up against him anyways, regardless of, of who it is because of the poor offensive line. I saw a stat where I believe Ryan Fitzpatrick was sacked once every 10 dropbacks on Sunday against the Patriots. That's obviously not good. And Fitzpatrick has good pocket presence. Rosen's a little more shiftier, not the nimblest guy, not the fastest guy, but he is faster than Fitzpatrick. So, And we saw some good pocket presence from Rosen in the preseason as well. Let's just hope he's not running for his life the entire game. I don't think it was the Dolphins' plan to start Josh Rosen this early, but I think they had no choice following the embarrassing losses to both the Ravens and the Patriots, and especially because of just the way that the offense could not run against the Patriots. I mean, they were absolutely brutal and didn't do much at all, and I think during that game, I think at halftime, a lot of the fans were clamoring for Rosen because the Dolphins coaches had been saying that the only reason why Fitzpatrick was starting was because of the fact that they gave he gave them the best chance to win. Josh Rosen could have just as easily gone three and out, three and out, three and out. And, you know, when you look deeper, you know, is it fine Fitzpatrick? What's Josh Rosen going to change? And so I wanted to take a look at a few uh, next-gen NFL stats. And that really goes beyond your typical box score and really tells a better story of what's happening. So when you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, right, when you look at his uh, next-gen stats, his total time to throw so far, which is the time of the, the time of the, from the place the time of the ball was snapped to the time when, when the quarterback throws the ball, Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in. Let's see. He comes in, I did have it highlighted, at 2.94 seconds. Okay. That is, surprisingly, pro right in the um, top, he's actually ranked fifth in the NFL, which is surprising, right? The amount of time to throw from the time the ball is snapped to the time he lets go of the ball. And you're like, what? I mean, the offensive line is atrocious. How can Ryan Fitzpatrick have the, the top five quarterback have 2.94 seconds to throw the ball? Well, it also takes into account rushing, not rushing, but scrambling and running away when we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick do quite a lot of that. The next stat is average completed air yards. And for Fitzpatrick, he comes in at 7.8. And again, that is towards the upper echelon of the NFL. Why? Top five quarterback again with that. But because the Dolphins are behind so much and, and they've gotten a lot of negative plays in their early scripts of the offense, you're forced to throw the ball a, a longer a bit more. His intended ear yards, which takes into account the, uh, the drops and the incompletions and all that, 12.2 yards. So he, he's pretty aggressive. 
And actually, his aggressive rating is 28%. And when you filter that out, that's actually the most in the entire NFL. A good four and a half points above Mitch Trubisky, who is number two. When you go further along, and then you start looking at his passer rating, right? And that's where it gets a little shaky. He's the worst in the NFL by far. 39.9, his passer rating. The next lowest is 65, Mitch Trubisky. That's that's a huge, huge difference. His completion percentage is 50%, the worst in the NFL. His expected completion percentage, which again takes into account the drops and so forth, is not much better. It's 58.3, so it's a differential of, of 8 percentage points. But, you know, if you're trying to blame the other parts of the offense for that, you want to see a higher number. I mean, 8.3 is pretty high, and it is, you know, one of the, the largest in the NFL. It's actually third largest. Cam Newton is minus 9.3. Ben Roethlisberger is minus 9.1. Jared Goff is minus 6.7. And then you got Fitzpatrick there at minus 8.3. Then you could start telling the story of, okay, how much is Fitzpatrick? How much is on the receivers? So to do that, we go to the next-gen stats for receivers. And when you look at Devontae Parker especially, and this is pretty bad, Devontae Parker gets 4.7 yards of separation at the line of the scrimmage, right? The, the defensive backs aren't totally scared of him. They're giving him quite a nice cushion. However, his average separation, which is the time that he catches the ball, and the distance between the nearest defender is one yard. One yard. That is the lowest in the NFL. Okay? That is on par with guys like DK Metcalf, who is, I wouldn't say slow, but who is more of a, um, I don't know the right word, um, more of a bigger, bigger body wide receiver who's not going to kill you with speed. Mike Evans gets 1.7 yards of separation. Again, that's not ideal, which is why you have seen him struggling this season. But to have one yard of separation, I mean, I mean, think about it, right? Think about one yard. So when he catches the ball or when the ball is targeted towards him, the closest defender average is one yard. This is why Devontae Parker is, is not getting the ball. And this is why Ryan Fitzpatrick can't get him the ball either. Devontae Parker's average targeted air, air yards is 21.8 okay so we've seen a lot of high point balls we've seen a lot of deep balls to uh, Parker where he's trying to go up and get the ball that's fine but because he's doing that he's doing that because he's not getting the separation so we're not seeing him break open in the field his catch percentage when you look at that is only 21.43 that is the lowest in the NFL when you look at uh, receiving yards, 75, obviously nothing to write home about. Yards after catch, <laughs> 0.3. Pretty bad. Expected yards after catch, uh, 2 yards, which is basically how many yards he basically could have gotten after he caught the ball. So again, it's just a, a mess with Devontae Parker and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So then you look at a guy like Preston Williams, right? You look at his next-gen stats. 
He's getting six and a half yards of cushion at the line of scrimmage, but his separation is 3.1 yards, which is way better, way better than Devontae Parker. When you look at his targeted air yards, 15.4. Again, the Dolphins with uh, Fitzpatrick's aggressiveness rating throws it deep a lot. His catch percentage is 63.64. Not terrible, not the best. But respectable. This is on par with guys like Robert Woods, who at 66.67%. This is on par with guys like Cole Beasley at 69%. Better than guys like Trey Quinn and TJ Hawkinson. Better than guys, um, you know, Brashad Perriam. Better than guys like Josh, John Ross, Cooper Cup, even better than. So he, he's right there with that. Preston's yards after catch, not the greatest, 2.2 yards. His expected yards after the catch is 2.8. So he's not getting a ton of help from his wide receivers either. You look at Mike Jaziki, his average cushion is 4.5 yards. His separation is a much better 4.7 yards. I think that separation uh, stat is huge for the quarterback trying to throw into open lanes and getting them to lead with their body to get the yards after the catch. Albert Wilson's going to be out again on Sunday, by all accounts. Jakeem Brandt, he is not catching the balls. I mean, Josh Rosen had a few deep balls to him in the game against the Ravens. Dropped. Jakeem Brandt, and the defenders aren't scared of him. He's getting 5.9 yards of cushion at the line of scrimmage. He's getting 3.6 yards of separation. His yard after catch is better, 5.9 yards. His expected yard after catch is 7.9 yards. Again, that could be on the quarterback, but you're not seeing a huge difference. So when you look at all that and you factor all that into account, it's like, okay, where where is this going to get better? How is this going to get better? It's not like Fitzpatrick is missing throws. It's not like he's throwing over the guy's heads. It's not like he's getting sacked because he has no pocket presence. He just has nowhere to throw it because his guys are not getting open. And it, for the guys who do get open, either he's not seeing them or the, or the uh, Chad O'Shea, the offensive coordinator, is not scheming it the right way. So hopefully with, with another quarterback in there, guys step it up a bit because you have seen that in the past as well. Maybe a little extra jolt, a little burst of energy, a little better chemistry there where guys are you know playing harder for the guy behind center. We're going to have to see how that shakes out, but... Am I expecting a drastic result with Josh Rosen under center? I'm not, unfortunately. Do I wish there was? Yes, because as I said on the group for Insider Radio, which we released yesterday, make sure you check it out if you have not already. It is in the Dolphins' best interest for Josh Rosen to ball out and lead them to numerous wins and to show that even with the lack of talent around him, this is what he can do. Because, boy, if he can do that, and if he could lead this team to five, six, seven wins with nothing around him, the Dolphins will have three premium picks, first-round picks in next year's draft to build around him. You could get a guy like Chase Young. Well, probably not Chase Young if you're winning five, six, seven games. But you can get maybe a Jerry Judy if you're picking in the top five or seven, a wide receiver to give that nice target for Josh Rosen. You can get another tackle on the line. You can bolster everything around him. And watch him ball out even more. It's basically the Jimmy Garoppolo model in San Francisco. So Rosen gets the start. He said, uh, Chris Greer mentioned in his press conference the other day, 
that Rosen admitted to learning more than he's ever learned before in the few months that he's been in Miami Dolphin compared to the course of his career. So that's eye-opening. And again, just another reminder of why the Dolphins have not started him, had not really put him out there in key situations yet, only in mop-up duty, because they're trying to protect him. But at a certain point, it just becomes too much, and you have to get the guy in the game because your current starter, Fitzpatrick, is just not doing anything to move the offense. Moving on to another player who is going to maybe be making his Dolphins debut on Sunday, maybe not, maybe inactive, is Taco Charlton. And a former first-round pick in 2017 out of Michigan, across two seasons he's been basically a first-round bust, which is why he was outright released by the Dallas Cowboys. Dolphins had the 13th waiver claim spots, 12 teams passed up on him, and now he's a Miami Dolphin. Over two seasons, he's recorded four sacks and eight tackles for a loss in 27 games. He had a solid preseason this year, tallied two sacks, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. But it wasn't enough for the Cowboys to start him. And Taco Charlton, earlier in the week, tweeted, release me or free me or something of that. And he ended up deleting it. But again, just another sense and, and sign that he was obviously not happy in Dallas. Dallas grants him his wish. And now the Dolphins may have found a piece that can grow into a legitimate weapon in their defense, a pass rusher, which the Dolphins are lacking. And the Dolphins' hope for Charlton this year, at least, is to become a key rotational player in that defense to get some pressure on the quarterback and to kind of grow into this defense and see what they can do with him in the years moving forward. Obviously, it's in his everyone's benefit for Charlton to produce and to turn it around, and hopefully a fresh start will do just that. It's interesting now. You look at the 2017 draft, right? You got Charles Harris on the team now. You got Taco Charlton on the team now. Both of them were drafted in 2017. Charlton a few spots after Harris. You got Robert Kandichi as well, who the Dolphins have on the uh, inactive list, on the pup list right now. He was drafted 29th overall in 2016 by the Arizona Cardinals. If we've seen some progress from Charles Harris, not a ton of progress, but we've seen some nice progress, which probably makes him worth keeping uh, next year. You saw spurts from John Jenkins, the new Dolphins defensive lineman, had a nice, nice game against the Patriots. If Harris can continue to develop, if Charlton turns it around, if Kim Dietschy comes out uh, later this season and starts balling out, and John Jenkins along with Christian Wilkins, I know that's a lot of ifs, but then the Dolphins can add a pass rusher in the NFL draft in 2020, a top-tier top pass rusher. This defensive line can be turned around just as easy as that. Again, I know it's a lot of ifs, but I think we're halfway there with it. You know, you got Harris improving. You got John Jenkins. I know it's one game, but he dominated when he was given the chance. And Christian Wilkins has been holding his own so far. You got three. You need two more. Maybe another rotational piece. And you're good. You're good. That's going to be interesting to watch. That's going to be exciting to watch. It's going to be actually exciting to watch the Dolphins on Sunday. Might only be exciting for the half or so. But it's going to be exciting because you're seeing some new guys coming in with Josh Rosen, with John Jenkins getting the chance. Again, I don't know if Charlton will play. 
maybe inactive, needs to learn the playbook, or maybe the Dolphins just use him in key situations. God knows they can use another pass rusher, regardless of how long they've been with the team. Moving on from all of that, you know, again, I mentioned the season of the tank, right? And we've seen a lot of national media just bash the Miami Dolphins. It's actually getting a little tiring, but it's also quite comical to see the way that they're reacting to the Dolphins doing this radical change and this radical strategy. And now they say the NFL Competition Committee is going to investigate the Dolphins. I doubt they do anything to the Dolphins. It's more of a precursor just saying, okay, what can we do moving forward? To, to prevent this kind of thing, or is this going to be the standard moving forward? I can guarantee you there's going to be a team. I don't know if there's going to be a team that does it as extreme as the Dolphins did, are doing for Trevor Lawrence. But you bet your bottom dollar there's teams looking at Trevor Lawrence and are saying in a year from now, going into next season, we got to do everything we can to get this guy. And when you look around the NFL, there are some bad teams the Bengals are going to give the Dolphins a run for their money for the first overall pick. And the way that Chris Greer has structured this roster, it's very hard to win games. You can compete for a little bit, but ultimately the talent on the other side of the ball is going to win out. And it's possible that Dolphins make this roster so bad, so, so bad, that they just can't win no matter what they do because the talent is just greater. It's like playing, uh, I saw the comparison, a Sunbelt team to an SEC team. You know, the lines are insane. The lines are what you see when Alabama plays a cupcake team. Over 20 points in the NFL game, that's unheard of. That's incredible. But here's where we are. And listen, we've all said it. It's going to be painful as heck. But it's all going to be worth it in 2020 when the Dolphins rule the offseason. Because you know damn well, starting in January... The Dolphins are going to own the offseason up through the NFL draft. It's going to be all about the Dolphins, and it's going to be glorious. So let these teams have their shine now. Dolphins time is coming up. And to all the national media who are complaining, get over it. Please get over it. You haven't talked about the Dolphins in years. And to think that you have a pulse of the team is laughable. And to kind of spin it and to try to get the fans on your side by saying oh well the fans deserve better listen you're right we deserve better and we are getting better through this tank and i'm very proud of the vast majority of dolphins fans who understand what is going on with the tank who understand what is happening and who understands that you need to experience the pain this year to get better in the years moving forward listen we do deserve better we've been giving mediocre teams for the past decade plus We've been giving band-aids on this team where we've all been crying and screaming for them to do it the right way. We've all been treated to overpriced veterans who have lost their luster in the NFL, but coaches think they can get them back to where they needed to be. We've all seen it fail over and over and over again. And now I think we're all glad the Dolphins are doing it this way, as painful as it might be this season. Dolphins vs. Cowboys this coming Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time in Dallas. Miami will try to compete against the Cowboys. Try to compete against Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper. It's not going to be an easy task, but their defense did improve against the Patriots. We'll see now if their defense can continue to improve and also their offense as well with Josh Rosen under center. We'll be back with you with another episode of Finsider Daily on uh, 
Monday or Tuesday. I think we're doing now Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yes, that's right. So we're not doing Mondays anymore. We're going to come to you with Finsider Daily on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, the group episode on Thursday, and another Finsider Daily on Friday. So enjoy your next three days. Check us out on Twitter. Check me out on Twitter at Kanata, C-A-N-N-A-T-A, P-F-N. Check out Houts at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z, and at A Sutton, S-U-T-T-O-N, P-F-N. That's going to do it for me here on Finsider Daily. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.